Hi, this is Bill Cumby. I'm a teacher at First Church Ministries in Newport News, Virginia, and we're going through the book of Genesis. We're actually going to be finishing up Genesis chapter 9 today, and um, I'd like to get into it. Let's open a prayer. Father, we thank you for the time we have. We thank you for your word. Um, the word you gave to the Israelites is they, they were on Mount Sinai and ready to enter Canaan. And uh, the word for us uh, that is still alive and, and uh, speaking to us and helping us understand how much you love us and uh, how our lives need to change, to love you more and draw closer to you. And so, Lord, I pray you would guide us, give me your words to say, fill us with your spirit and help us understand and draw closer to you and love you more. We pray in your name, Jesus. Okay, so first screen, um, again, verse 27 in the middle of there. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Um, the whole point of not just Genesis, but of Scripture is that we've been created in the image of God, um, that that's been sundered apart, but that's been reconciled through Christ. And so Genesis has given us background information on that. If you look at... Um, where it is, it was given to the Israelites uh, after being freed from slavery in Egypt. Um, and they were at Mount Sinai, and they were given a civil, moral, and religious code. So, so uh, Israel was a theocracy. Its, its civil code was embedded inside the religious and uh, uh, moral code that was there. And uh, it was also given to the Israelites prior to ending in Canaan. And I, I inserted this bullet point this time. And I'll be carrying it on because it's very important to understand what's going on here. A lot of the information and stories here is given background information to the Israelites about um, why they are going to be displacing the Canaanites. What's, what's going on there and what's happened and where we, what was happening earlier before they were in Egypt. Uh, and then there's a, um, it begins with a prologue. So, you know, a lot of emphasis is placed in Genesis 1. Uh, through um, two, three, and rightly so, it talks about uh, creation of the world. But uh, the emphases are are often mistaken. It's not about time, and it's not about whether there's evolution or creation. It's about God creating everything. That there is only one God, and He created everything. Um, it is a scientific account. I I think if you if you look at it and, and fill out uh, what a scientific account would be, orderly, structured. Uh, account of what really happened, not fanciful, and uh, it it is incomparable uh, uh, with any other creation story that you'll get in any other culture, okay, uh, or any other uh, group. It's just it, it makes sense, okay. You may not agree with it. There's some scientists that have bones to pick on some of the, some of it, but it is remarkably accurate and it's been borne out through science. Um, not that science is the judge on Scripture, but, but there should be a coherence there. I mean, if something's being reported that actually happened, it should have, we should be able to have an idea from our history and our science, look at science and that. So we have that. Um, uh, then there's uh, go, Genesis 2, 4 onward. There are actually, there's, there's, these are the generations of, and there's actually 10 of them. And they chronicle the history of the world and of Israel. And so these are the... Um, these are the ten generations you'll see here. There's five for primeval history. Now that that primeval history, I actually updated the slide at the very end to add a bit more. That actually goes all the way up through about the Tower of Babel, a little bit beyond the Tower of Babel, um, and, because patriarchal history picks up here. And and this is where you need to understand 
uh, how we slice and dice things, and this is part of the issue with the sizing thing, is different than how other people slice and dice things. And so, so we, we could say, oh, primeval history before the flood, but there really is a subsections afterwards here. Uh, Sons of Noah and, and then Shem that occur after. But it's really all part of the story, of that story, of the, all the way through the flood and right after. Then what picks up is the patriarchal history. And the patriarchal history is sort of, um, it's like my kids um, want, love to hear stories about the, the grandparents or about me or what happened with, and they know some of the stories by heart, okay? And, and that's just interesting information, but this is, is vital information to help the Israelites understand who they are, where they came from, what their heritage is. Um, we, we talked about these initial generations that we went through here. And, uh, and there is, these are the generations of heaven and earth right over here. You'll see that uh, that was the line of Cain and ended in Lamech. You see the second generations of Adam goes all the way in, through Seth into Noah, and then generations of Noah go to Noah's sons, and Noah's sons go to Shem, who is, we believe, the oldest of Noah's son. We're not sure. They're not listed chronologically. They're, they're mixed up in several of the chronology, so it could be Shem, it could be Japheth is the oldest, but Shem is the line that the, uh, the um, uh, Messiah comes through, and, and, and Abraham picks up in a little bit after that. So I, I added some additional stuff here, just to, to show you that, you know, Abel would have been a star, but Abel went to heaven, okay? He was killed, he, he, his, his testimony is there, it talks in Hebrews 11.4 that he still speaks to us even though he's dead. Enoch went to walk with God, seventh generation onward, the seventh generation on from Cain. Um, Lamech was boasting of Cain is avenged seven times, and Lamech 77 times. Um, and then you get Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. We'll pick up that thread again uh, a little later in this, this particular section. And then uh, the generations of Noah's son and Shem. So... Um, God, uh, God blesses Noah, and we, we covered this last time. You want to look at the last lesson on this. But he, just, he does use a, a remarkably the same wording that he used with Adam and Eve, you know, be fruitful and multiply, fill and subdue the earth. He also says God made man in his own image. Uh, and then, again, be fruitful and multiply and greatly increase on the earth and multiply in it. He also at that time said if, if a man takes a man's life, that his life is forfeit. And that is basically the ability of man to judge other man. When, when Cain took Abel's life, God said, no one shall hurt you. I will, I've judged you and I'll put a mark on you. Now he's saying after the flood, there is going to be judgment within the community of man. And I mandate this. And it, it not, it, you have to do this. There has to be a reckoning. And those are the seeds of government. Go government basically is the ability of man to um, work in a structure. There has to be a structure, otherwise there's anarchy. And God is never in favor of anarchy. He's not, this is, everything is structured. Creation is structured, nature is structured. And uh, it's remarkable that a lot of people who, who look at the structure of nature would then say, but we don't need to be structured, we can just all get along. And, and I have, you know, there's a structure necessary. The different people do different things and there's um, specializations and there's also um, one of those things is, is also people uh, in government to direct uh, where the groups of people go. We're very fortunate in this country to be able to participate in that government. Um, 
But you know, actually, I have to say that there, there's, there's government, there's, there's leaders, and there's the people, and there's attention there. And sometimes the people are the leaders, forcing the governments to change, and sometimes the governments, the leaders, moving the people along in the in the right direction, hopefully, or, or the wrong one. And um, I think overall, we get who we deserve. You know, we get the people that God that reflect who we are. Um, and so. Uh, if you're upset at your leaders, you need to change, because <laughs> that's how leaders change, too. Um, we also have uh, the God makes a covenant with Noah in creation. And uh, again, this is a, um, this is a um, chiastic um, covenant. Uh, I, we were just talking about that just before here, and I left out my slide on that. But there's seven times he talks about uh, covenant in here, in the very middle one, uh, it is in here. The first one, uh, let's see, the first one over here, establish my covenant, I will establish my covenant, and, uh, and this is the sign of the covenant. Those are the first three. And I've set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. That's the primary one. And then there's, uh, I will remember my covenant. Uh, it'll be an everlasting covenant, and the sign of the covenant um, this is the sign of the covenant. And so there's a structure here, but that's all to emphasize the fact that, that there's a, a bow set in the earth. And we talked a little about covenants. We'll, we'll actually talk about that a bit more later. But the covenant is agreement between people, and it's often uh, a superior uh, group or person to a, a lesser one, and it, it defines rights and duties. And uh, this is an unbreakable covenant God is making, not what man, by the way, but with all creation, me and the earth, um, that he will never destroy the earth by waters again. And was there a rainbow before? Possibly. Covenant signs are not necessarily something that didn't exist before. People believe that circumcision was in effect when circumcision was given as a sign for Abraham as a covenant. So, so there, the, the, But the sign is something when you look at it, it reminds you. It's like certain cultures... Um, will take a stone, a stone of remembrance or a white stone that they can to remember a certain thing. I, I have certain remembrances that I carry with me to remember um, who I am and what my responsibilities are. And so this is a covenant that God, every time he sees this, it not only is for mankind, but it's for God, I will remember. God doesn't need the memory, and yet um, it's sort of like you sometimes look at movies or books that you read and you know by heart, but you still look at them because you still want to remember. It's not that you've forgotten, but you want to remember. Um, so now we get into a very difficult passage. You can cover all that stuff in more detail uh, if you look at the last lesson. But this, here's, a, here's a, a difficult passage. I won't say it's the most difficult passage in Genesis, which bodes poorly for me, but, uh, but it is one of the most difficult ones, okay? Uh, let's look at it. Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself in the tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it uh, both uh, laid upon both of their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away so they did not see their father's nakedness. And when Noah awoke from his wine, he knew that what his youngest son had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, 
A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. Other translations have a slave of slaves. Um, and he said, he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, let Canaan be his servant, and may God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the uh, tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived 350 years after the flood. So all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Now, there are a number of problems with this passage, okay? Like, why was Canaan cursed? Why? Canaan didn't do it. Ham did it. What about Noah? What, what is Noah? How, he, he was drunk. What's, what's going on here? Um, what does it mean that Ham uncovered his father's nakedness? Now, that seems pretty obvious to us, but I'm, I want to explore that a little, uh, actually, in this next slide. Um, and why was Canaan, the son of Ham, cursed, not Ham, the one who did it? And, uh, you know, what, what, what's, you know, if you do something, you get punished. What's going on here? Um, and why was anyone cursed at all? You know, why is this even being recorded? Why, why is this passage in Scripture, I will say this really quickly, um, you know this is the Word of God, and people preserved it faithfully because it presents the raw truth, okay? It does not sugarcoat things, and this is bad, but there's a lot worse we're going to be getting into, especially with Lot, when Lot, Lot uh, towards the end of his life. And, and so there's, there's a lot of issues here, and Scripture doesn't hide it. Scripture is real. It's because it's intended to help us understand who we are and, and, and get us to face who we are more. Uh, and we'll, we'll get more into that. But let me talk about uncovering your nakedness. So uncovering your nakedness, um, it could have just been nakedness, that his father was naked, got drunk and got naked, was naked, um, passed out, and that that's what he saw. But uh, that is generally a euphemism in, in, in Scripture, particularly in the Pentateuch, for having sexual relations. Okay. And again, th this Genesis is part of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Um, Leviticus is one of those books, and it was given at the same time as Genesis. And I want to take a look at Leviticus 18, uh, and this is the New American tra Standard Translation. And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God, and of course the bold is mine, obviously, but you shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived. Nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments, to keep my statutes, and to live according to them. I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and my judgments, by which a man may live if he does them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach any blood relative to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, that is, the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother, and you are not to uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. Do not defile yourself by any of these things. For by all these, the nations which I am casting out before you became defiled. For the land has become defiled, therefore I have brought punishment upon it, so the land has spewed out or vomited out its inhabitants. So, um, this is a euphemism for having sex with, within incest, basically, is what it's talking about here. And, and uh, some less literal translations like the NIV, which is still pretty literal, but, but it can, it, it will, um, eat, some of the colloquialisms go away there. You'll see here, he says, um, no one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. 
I am the Lord. Do not dishonor your father by having sexual relationship with your mothers. Same passage, okay? But instead of uncovering the nakedness, it's sexual relations. So I, I, I don't know, okay, obviously, but I think there's a very good chance that what happened here is that um, Ham had sex with his mother. It was incest. And Canaan is a result of that incest. And that's why Canaan was cursed, okay? And I, I, whether... Um, the curse was declarative, in other words, he was cursed because of that, or it was pronouncing that, that, that uh, the, the result of that incest was, a, was cursed is, is questionable. We, that, that, that I don't have an answer for it. Now, people say, well, God would never do that. I can't tell you what God will and won't do, okay? I do know God sometimes curses people, okay? He sometimes hardens people's hearts. Generally, I see in scriptures that when that happens, it's because the people have done something first to become hardened or so. With the Pharaoh, it says, the Pharaoh hardened his heart, the Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened. Then it says, God hardened the Pharaoh's heart. And that occurs midway through the, the plagues that we'll see later in Genesis. But, but the, nonetheless, the fact here is that Canaan is cursed. And I think that is because he was the result of incest. Um, it could be that, that it was just nakedness, we don't know. But in any case, there was a curse pronounced on this. And we're gonna get back into possible reasons of that. But before we do that, I wanna look at one more slide. Um, these are the generations of. So, um, things do not end well, and these are the generations of, okay? When, when the first one um, that starts with Cain, okay? Adam and Eve, and then Cain, and then all the way to Lamech, ends with Lamech uh, um, marrying two wives, polygamy, and boasting about unbridled revenge. If, if Cain is, is um, revenged seven times, I will be revenged 770, 77 times, or, and I will kill a man for wounding me. You know, he, he, this is this umbrage that I am in control of life. And then the second uh, end of generation, the second generation, which started out well with Seth being created in the image of God, it said that the Seth was made in the image of God as man, and that and it, that line, that God line descended, and at the very end, God, uh, mankind is totally degenerate, and God is grieved that He's made mankind. And again, we've covered that in previous lessons. Here you get Noah ending, and Noah's drunk, and his nakedness is uncovered. And he uncovers Noah's nakedness. Uh, Ham uncovered Noah's nakedness, and, and his son Canaan is cursed. Then at the very end, you see Shem and Japheth blessed. There's, there's actually, and it gets better as it goes along. There's some glimmers of hope out here that God is now going to redeem, okay? But one of the things that, that you might assume is he wiped out all of mankind, and then he chose Noah, who was a righteous man, a righteous man of his time, and that now things are going to be all better. And I, I think the storyline here uh, is that, uh, you know, uh, what about Noah? Um, what about his drunkenness? I think the, the bottom line here is there's still sin in the world. That God, the godliest of godliest, and, and Noah was considered uh, a righteous man, uh, the righteous, most righteous of his time, and, and very highly revered, and yet um, he got drunk. And... Uh, and 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 anger um, pronounced uh, not a blessing but a curse. Okay, and so um, the story here, and we are going to get this much, much, much later, is that there is no such thing as a godly man without sin. That 
the difference between, it's, this is why I, I hesitate to use the word godly and ungodly, because there's a connotation that goes with the godly that they are saints and not sinful, and that the ungodly are, are just degenerate, care nothing about God and stuff like that. But that's not what godly and ungodly mean. The godly people are seeking God. They're, they're pushing towards God, and the ungodly people are pushing away from God. Okay, that's, that's the basis there. And there, there are, are some horrible things that godly men do, and we're going to see them in Genesis. Again, Scripture is very clear about this because it wants us to understand that what saves us is not how good we are. It, it is Christ. Okay, it is someone else died for us, that, that, that our representative, our, the person that our elected representative, if you want to use an American term, is Christ. And he, he is the standard bearer for us, and he has taken everything for us. He's our leader. He's our life. He's our head. And so part of what's going on here is to help the Israelites. And I, they didn't get it, but that's all right. We don't get it either. I mean, we, there's, you sit there and you think, yeah, I, I, I'm the wor- I, I can see Paul saying he's the worst of sinners. Yeah, I, I, could, I could commit any sin. But then when it happens... You think, wait, I didn't really believe that. I didn't really think I could sink that low. I can't believe what I did, you know? And you look back and you think, and it's because God wants to help us see it's not about who we are. It's about who we depend on. And, um, and so there's that. What does it mean that Ham uncovered his father's nakedness? There is, I think, an indication this refers to incest. Okay, that's what was going on there, I believe. And that, that Canaan was a result of that. And by the way, Canaan is mentioned at the beginning of the thing, but that does not mean that he was born at that time. It's just that it's saying that Ham was the father of Canaan, and he sighed, so to give him background information. So, um, so we don't know if Ham was, when Ham was born, but, um, but uh, I'm sorry, when Canaan was born. But um, at the minimum, it was disrespect and ridicule for Noah. Uh, um, and... Uh, why was Canaan the son of Ham cursed, not Ham who was the one who did it? I'm not sure, but it could be that, uh, that Canaan was the result of incest. Okay, I, This is one of the hard passages. It makes sense to me. It lines up with Leviticus. I don't see any reason not to suspect that. Um, why, why was anyone cursed at all, and why is it recorded? Okay, so th- this, this is, to me, more of the, uh, the big question that's that, okay. Um, why did it happen? Why, and it may not be that the curse was pronounced as a curse that this was going to happen or as a realization, as a pronouncement of the result of the incest was, going to, was, was cursed. Um, in other words, it was not going to stop with, with Ham and Noah's um, uh, wife. It was going to go on. And that's what you see in Leviticus, that the land's going to vomit out the thing. And when you get into looking at uh, uh, Abraham, and Abraham, God says, you will be slaves in Egypt. And he says, because the sin of the Amorite has not reached its peak. So God does give people chances to repent. And yes, he did say, kill all the Canaanites. Do not take any of them into your camp or whatever. But, but then Rahab was Canaanite, and she is of the lineage of Jesus. And, uh, and then you get Ruth, who was supposed to, a Moabite, who was supposed to be excluded to the 10th generation any from her, from the assembly. And she was the grandmother, great-grandmother of, of David. And David was of the, in the assembly. So you see that God, God 
the pronouncements of God have mercy to them too, that God is merciful to people. And we'll also see that Tamar, um, uh, who is in the line of, of, uh, of Jesus uh, by Judah, uh, and we're going to talk about that in Genesis later, was also a Canaanite. And so we see Canaanites in the lineage there, too. Um, what is this saying, though? It was saying that there was, a, and this is what I think is going on here. I think there was, um, this was given to the Israelites, and they didn't know where they were going. They, they had ideas, their stories to travel. There was a lot of commerce and travel between those areas. But they were, had been slaves, and slaves don't get to travel very much. Um, so they were slaves in Egypt. And, and, and part of this is to help them understand why the Canaanites are being wiped out. And so I think this, this message is in here for that. I think there's a message in it for us, too. Um, and, and I think that, that, that the societies, um, that there is a, there is a um, In, in a lot of circles, there's this feeling that all cultures are equal. Okay? You'll hear that. Um, <sighs> cultures are not like colors. I mean, they, all colors are equal. They're different colors. They're just different colors. But cultures are groups of people and how they act. And certain cultures act better than other cultures. Okay? And this is a culture that was not acting well. Okay? Now, I know that there can be, that, that can be carried to extremes. And I know that a lot of cultures have lorded it over other cultures when they shouldn't because the other culture actually had a superior culture. But just because there's abuse of that understanding that cultures are different does not mean they're not different. Um, and, and uh, you know, we bemoan the fact that we came over and conquered the Native Americans. And, and I understand that and I, I sympathize with that. But no one... Uh, no one bemoans that the Aztecs were killed off, except, you know, except how they were. They had human sacrifice. They would open up a person, a live person's heart and pull it up in, in a sacrifice. There was a degenerate culture there, okay? So what I'm saying is that um, um, there's a warning in here for us, too, that we are responsible for our cultures. And where culture goes is not an amoral or unethical or non-ethical thing. So we have decisions to make here, okay? And so if we support immoral things as a culture, then cultures get destroyed. And that's what happened to Israel, by the way, is it, it drifted into immorality, and that's why Israel was first destroyed and then Judah was taken into captivity. But God's intent is always to have people come to him, okay? And so and, and when, when the culture keeps people from coming to him, then the culture is, is liable for judgment from God. When cultures do help people come to him, then they, they, they flourish. And, and, and I, I make no apology for the fact, as a Westerner, that, that Western society has flourished. It hasn't flourished because Western Westerners were better than other people, but they inherited a Christian background culture that helped the culture mature better. Okay, um, And it's not a Again, that the culture is, I say some cultures are better than others, and by that I mean some are more ethical and some are follow the laws of, of nature and of creation and of God more closely than others. Um, but none of them follow it all the way. None of us do. And uh, even as we say we do, we don't. Okay, I mean, we think the Declaration of Independence, you know, all, all men are endowed by God with certain 
inalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and, and then uh, we we deny we have slavery. You know, we don't always we don't always practice what we preach. So that's that's me on my soapbox. But but the issue here though is with Noah that Noah was a man, and even the most godly of men make mistakes. Okay, um, Ham. Um, did something wrong, and as a result of that, uh, um, Canaan was cursed, and the Canaanites are now living in the land, and by the way, the Canaanites didn't just practice incest and sexual immorality, they often sacrificed their children alive to Moloch, uh, and so that was a, a call for judgment on them, and so uh, infanticide. And so we see this in here, and the Israelites are seeing this, and the Israelites are knowing what's going on here. By the way, I think that's why it talks about the Nephilim before the flood, because there are Nephilim in Canaan, uh, and we see that in, I think, in Numbers in Deuteronomy, talk about the Nephilim, and, uh, and that they were giants in the land, and they look like grasshoppers. The spies said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes, you know, these. So, so, so it's there, but that's the their God's people to understand that as they went into there, God was still going to work through them, okay, and give them the land. Um, so I guess that's that's where we are. I'm going to close this up. We're going to go into the next section, which is a little easier afterwards. But let's take a quick look at these these things. So primeval history through uh, to after the flood. There's five of those, and there's five generational ones. Um, I actually put a little G on these because there's several ones that have extensive genealogies. That's primarily all they are is genealogies. And here you see Adam, you see G, and God's judgment on the earth, and then Noah builds the ark, and then you get the account of Noah and the flood, the sons of Noah, which is also a genealogy, plus the Tower of Babel where the nations are dispersed. And then you get the generations of Shem, G, which brings you down to the account of Terah. And again, we're going to pick this up next week. But um, it says the account of Terah, but Terah moves to, uh, uh, does not go all the way to Canaan. It sets out for Canaan, but doesn't wind up there. Abraham does. And really, this is the account of Abraham and Sarah and Lot. But really, um, I'm losing my mouse here, of Abraham. Um, and then generations of uh, Ishmael basically is a genealogy to say what the descendants of Ishmael was because that was not the, the promised um, that was not the seed that was going to carry on to the Messiah. And then you get, uh, these are the generations of Isaac, and my, this just does not want to stay where it is. The Isaac, um, and that's an account of Jacob. So it actually, Isaac is back up in Abraham. He's covered back up in Abraham. And then when Isaac, you get Isaac, you get the account of Jacob and Esau, and Jacob going on. And then you get uh, generations of Esau, which is just a list of the, his descendants. And then you get the generations of Jacob, which are the account of Joseph and his brothers. And so you will see a progression here. You'll see certain similarities here. So you see echoes of things. Now, sometimes people say, this story is so similar that, that it, it was copied. In other words, both people didn't do it. Only one did, or maybe it was made up or something. That's not necessarily true. I think part of the reason we see these echoes in Scripture is because um, God, certain things are common to mankind, okay? Um, and uh, I'm, I'm going to do another rab a rabbit trail. I'm to, Pastor Bob has influenced me very uh, highly. <laughs> uh, I want to say this. So 
we're going to get into Lot, and terrible things happened with Lot, okay? Um, and the, the last of the terrible things, and we'll talk about this. I'm not going to go into details here, but horrible things uh, happened when he got drunk, too, just like Noah. And I, and, and I, I think the reason that it talks about Noah getting drunk and this happening, and then there's another account of, of uh, Lot getting really drunk and something bad happened is to show God's grace in Noah's life and not making it worse because it got a lot worse in Lot's life. And many people, in fact, if there was not a passage in Scripture in Peter which says Lot was a godly man who was tormented every day by the ungodliness of the people he lived with, then I would say Lot was not a believer because things got really bad. But that, that sort of comes back on me to say, wait, you just said that there's not a difference in how the godly and ungodly can, how, how bad things can get for them. We don't really believe that we're really that bad. And so we're able to say a person like Lot and what he was willing to do was so bad that I could, I could never be like that. And the truth is, it's, it's in Scripture to tell us, yes, we could be like that. But for the grace of God, there go I. God keeps believers and unbelievers uh, from committing lots of crimes because of his great mercy. Um, and just because you are saved and just because you love God and you seek him does not mean that you seek him with all your heart undividedly and never sin. You're supposed to, but that's not what happens. We are frail. And that's why I'm glad that we trust in Christ as our Savior and that we are not trusting in our own works. Um, but there is an appeal here that if you follow God, you should be depending on God and God should be changing you. Should Christians be better than non-Christians? Well, most definitely. And if that's not true, then something's wrong there. And I would really question the Christianity of that culture, okay, uh, or a group of people, uh, because it's supposed to be transformative. Um, that's it. We'll cover, we'll be uh, going into table, table of Nations and um, the Tower of Babel uh, next time. And uh, then we'll be moving on to Abraham and uh, seeing lots of, lots of things, telling the family stories. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the time we have. We thank you that you love us and care so much for us that you preserve family stories because this is our family. For better or worse, this is the family we are part of, the family of faith. Um, you say in Scripture that uh, all who have faith in Christ Jesus are children of Abraham. And so we see that uh, when we pick up there that um, these are our stories of our family. And Lord, I pray that as we see these stories, the stories of Noah and Adam, other people in our family, that we would uh, rejoice in what you've done through them, uh, mourn um, their lapses as our own lapses too, and that draws closer to you and help us love you more. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen.